Excuse me. <laughs> Gentlemen, would you mind putting out your cigars, please? Come again. I asked, would you mind putting out your cigars, please? As a matter of fact, I would mind. Well, you see, the reason I ask, all due respect, I got a great New York strip sitting over there, cost me $27 and change, and it tastes like I'm eating a cigar. Listen, Ace, number one, you're eating a steak at a place called Joe Stone Crab. And number two, there's no rule that says we can't smoke. Well, number one, my name is not Ace. And number two, I'm not talking about rules here. I'm talking about manners. You see, there is no rule that says I can't come over here and fart on your entree. But I don't do it. Why? Because it's not good manners. So I ask you again, in the nicest possible way, to please put out the cigars, okay? Thank you. I hope you realize you've just committed assault. I know, I know. You know, I remember time was you actually had to hit somebody. What you are about to hear is a labor of love. Our love is for the music, and the music is for the people. We at Rockstrikes10 and cnjradio.com have always recommended that any music we promote on our shows be legally purchased, downloaded, and or streamed. We feel this way not only for our network of shows, but for all music-based shows. By supporting the artist in this way, more music can be created and the industry as a whole can prosper. The music is owned by their respective labels, or hopefully by the artists themselves. This broadcast is owned by cnjradio.com. Our only mission is to promote the music we love and promote the legal purchase of it. Enjoy the show and turn it up. Welcome to Rock Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, especially if you're doing it at the central station of cnjradio.com. Okay, it's now time for part three. So we're counting down the top 45 albums of 2002. So we're going to start off this show at number 25, and we run into yet another debut album, this time by Atlanta Georgia's Mastodon, who kind of one of the new big deals in metal in this 21st century. I've been saying 21st century a lot because it feels more current and everything, just something that's been kind of kicking around in my brain here lately. But I wasn't necessarily super on board with Mastodon when they first came out. It was another one of those bands where people were telling me, oh, Joey, you'd like this band. And so it was kind of that weird resistance, like, yeah, yeah, whatever, you don't know me. But over the years, I came to appreciate Mastodon a lot more. And I got massively on board by the time Once More Around the Sun came out. And I noticed that they were starting to write better songs in a sense. They were always a a good metal band. They wrote very epic sounding songs. And I knew that from the word go. It's just that it took me a while with Mastodon. But my own revisionist history here, I'd say that this is definitely number 25 here on the top albums of 2002. Their debut record here called Remission came out May 28th, and it was produced by Matt Bayless. So good way to kick off a show with some real heavy tunage here by Mastodon. So it's off to the races. The song is called Trainwreck. Trainwreck. 
kicking off the show here today and coming in at number 25 on the top albums countdown here of 2002. That was Mastodon from the album Remission, and that was Trainwreck. All right, we move over here to number 24. And if I have it right here, all of these songs were actually recorded in the year 1902, according to my tour shirt. But the album wasn't officially released until April 9th of 2002. And of course, that could only be Rasputina with their third studio album called Cabin Fever. The album is self-produced by Melora Krieger, the leader of the band, and only constant. I do like this album quite a bit. It's got some real good highlights on it. I didn't love it as much as their previous album, How We Quit the Forest, but that's their best album ever, so it's hard to compete with something like that. But this is definitely a respectable outing right here. So if you're familiar with them and you like them, you definitely should have heard this album by now. It's got all the fun oddities and dark themes, yet still managed to somehow sound like it legitimately was recorded, or at least written, at the turn of the 20th century. And it's still very much a new world out there in America. So, yeah, it sounds a lot more pretentious than it really is. At the end of the day, it's just a fun way to be and getting over the image of your band. But yes, from Cabin Fever... Definitely a standout track, which garnered multiple remixes right here. And a nice heavy track for them. This is State Fair. I'm never ever never ever gonna 
So in the wake of the year 2022 and the the Netflix series Wednesday being such a big deal, and I watched the series, I liked it quite a bit actually, but in the wake of all that being definitely a, a symbol of cool and happening stuff and being able to influence uh, image and pop culture and things such as that, it's that kind of a show. I have legit been holding out for a good quarter century now for cello goth rock to be a bigger thing than it is. And if it doesn't happen now, it's never going to happen. So I have high hopes for Rasputina getting a nice look in season two of Wednesday as far as from from a musical standpoint. I look forward to them getting a bit of a bump here since they honestly were the first people to do it and still doing it better than anybody else. But there you go. I'm still riding that horse. I'm still backing that horse all these years later, ever since 1996. But it's going to happen soon. They'll be appreciated long after their debut, but it'll still happen. I'm, I'm almost positive it will. So yes, that was Rasputina with State Fair from the album Cabin Fever. Album number 23 right here, yet another debut. And this is one of those albums. I remember right before this album came out and I was working at the CD store and we're at the height of the quote indie rock movement of the early 2000s pretty much every other dork had their mind made up about this record before it came out it was too prefabricated for them so they couldn't handle it they would never listen to this in a million years and that's fine we don't need them but i just thought it was funny that that was the mind was already made up long before it ever dropped but wound up being a damn strong rock album for my money the first album by audio slave yes of course you know about audio slave it's Rage Against the Machine, fronted by Chris Cornell. And that's as simple as it is, and that's what it is. And this definitely was a highly anticipated album that was talked about for at least a couple of years. I remember hearing about it right around early 2001, if I have that right. It seemed like it took that long for it to come out. It finally came out November 18th of 2002, officially produced by Rick Rubin. But, you know, who really produced it now? Come on. Let's look at the engineering credits, shall we? Oh, man, there are, like five engineer credits right here so either produced by john burton floyd reitzma tom russo andrew sheps darren mora chris holmes uh maybe even self-produced let's go with that but yes i'm always going to pick on rick rubin because apparently he's not the most hands-on producer and a lot of people have said it i'm just repeating what i've heard so hey but once again audio slave album one strong rock album as strong as the second one isn't and the third one is also really good and massively underrated. Uh, but yes, most people will just lean on this one right here. Uh, even with the album cover that's very out of time, but instantly recognizable is a Storm Thurgerson. Uh, definitely one of those classic looking album covers. So, but yeah, I mean, it's everything that it says it is on paper. It sounds like Chris Cornell singing for Rage Against the Machine. So it, it's a success in that definition. So yeah, it's not complicated. So if you like both of those things, or maybe even half of those things you might actually really like the record i think you probably have to be more of a cornell fan than a rage fan to enjoy it that's probably a little obvious but i would say that was the case if i was polling people at the time but yeah a lot of strong performances on here so it's becoming a little bit harder to pick a song as we go on here through the countdown and it would be hard not to pick something like a cochise or i am the highway or something like that but i am going to go i think this was the second single it was the second or third single whichever one but it was definitely a single and it had a video and i remember that much about it and i really like this one real strong song kept the flow of the album going properly so here you go turn it up this is show me how to live 
All right. The unmistakable voice of the late Chris Cornell, along with Tom and Brad and Tim right there, filling out Audio Slave that was Show Me How to Live from their self-titled debut album. I can pretty much guarantee by the time we get to the year that the third album came out, that'll definitely be on this countdown for sure. So yes, let's move over here. Album number 22. Fittingly, this album came out on January 22 of 2002. There's a lot of twos there. Yes, and this album was self-produced. A uh, return to form, both critically and from a fan's point of view, me being a fan. I liked their previous couple of albums before this, but I definitely saw this as them kind of getting their brain back or going back to their roots, all those kind of cliches. But it definitely happened here for Bad Religion on their 12th album, The Process of Belief. If you're a decent fan of this band, I would definitely recommend a roll-through process of belief. Here's a little fun fact of note here. At this point in the band's history, Brooks Wackerman uh, became a member of Bad Religion. A lot of people still don't know that he played for this band and toured with them. And stayed with the band from this point on all the way until about a few years ago. He wasn't playing in the band anymore after, I think, around... 2014 or 15 or something like that so he was in the band for a long time so that's cool that means the drumming's definitely got to step up in direction here so it makes sense for me that the songs are super up tempo so yeah there you have it thumbs up across the board here for this album and here's definitely a favorite of mine and i believe a fan favorite as well if i'm not mistaken so turn it up this is sorrow
Ah, yeah, there you go. And I even love the intro to that song. It's very police-esque, so always dug that track, especially for that reason. But classic-sounding Bad Religion right there with Sorrow from The Process of Belief. Here's another band that is neck-deep in their beliefs, for sure, and always has been from day one. Talking about this band right here, System of a Down. I don't know if you expect them to be on the countdown here of 2002, but yes, they come in here at number 21 with their third studio album called Steal This Album. And a lot of people might think this is an odd and ends record and it shouldn't be included maybe on a countdown like this, but this was marketed as a brand new album. It's To this day, it's not called a rarities collection or anything because it was all recorded during the same sessions, which happened to be the sessions for Toxicity. I think the perception of this being a Leftovers album, and I'm not saying it's not, but I'm saying it's not as bad as that. It's definitely not Toxicity great, obviously, because I believe Toxicity was like number one, or at least close to it. It was like number two, I think, on my top albums of 2001. So slipping down the charts a little bit here, all the way down to number 21. But hey, even an album of supposed throwaways, this just shows you how on point they are at this point in their career still. They can put out this kind of record, and it's definitely better than, let's say, Reload. So yeah, still this album came out November 26, 2002. I remember this. This harkens back to the CD store times. They put out five different variants of the CD, and none of them came with a booklet. So they went for the bare bones approach here. So, of course, the main release looks like a CDR. And then they had all four different band members contribute a doodle, basically, which became the different cover variants of said CD. So if you are one of those people, which I'm not, I, I didn't get all five. I'm not that fan. So I got my, uh, I'll be straight up honest. I got my free promo of this from our Sony people because they were really good to us. <laughs> so I have the CDR version. I have the one that everybody else has, the basic bear. But if you have any of the other variants, let me know which ones you have or if you have all of them. That'd be something else, I gotta say. But yes, this album came out November 26, 2002, produced by Rick Rubin. But Darren from the band gets a co-producer credit, so I'm gonna go with that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, once again, not a total home run, but there's enough really good stuff on here to justify the position I gave it here on the countdown. So I could have picked a handful of songs to support my opinion here. Uh, I'm going to go a little deep on the album. I'm very surprised that this wasn't one of the singles they would use to promote it. I think Inner Vision was the initial single, which is a very, very good song. And that makes sense that it was a single. And I know they did a video for Boom, even though I don't think that was ever an official single. But this one, I guess it's just because the label had probably given up on the record by this point. But I thought this one would have been good. And people will say, oh, well, yeah, why would you even say it wouldn't work as a single it's too political well, all, all their songs are so that's the idea behind the band uh but yeah i think this one could have been pretty decent on rock radio at the time makes sense but maybe in a post 9-11 world i guess they were too afraid of it i don't know uh, but here you go this is system of a down with new guns <laughs> There to the eyes of the night, but 
sheets of denial Bullet connects to the price of a crime What have we said? Wasn't it fair then? What of reasons haven't we paid penance for the new gods? Now the little voice sees through the eyes of delight of his dime What have we said Wasn't it that bad What of presents Haven't we paid penance To the new guns To the new guns Definitely a song that sounded like it could have been on Toxicity for sure. That was New Guns by System of a Down from Steal This Album. Of course, that title is definitely a play on words to the Abby Hoffman book, Steal This Book. So I wonder what the percentage of stolen albums there are on that record. Who knows? But if they're asking you to do it, then yeah, hey, I'm not saying it's right, but yeah. Okay, moving on here. Album number 20 here on the countdown is The Return to this particular countdown by Tom Waits. I did tease the fact that he had two albums out in 2002. Started off there with Alice on the countdown and then coming in just a little bit higher because I like it just a little bit more is the album Blood Money. Self-produced and co-produced by his wife, Kathleen Brennan. This is one of those albums and I had heard at the time that this was the case, but it sounds like a, a very coherent Tom Waits only album. So I was actually surprised to find out that this was another album that he had written uh, to be music for a particular theatrical performance. And he had done that with Black Rider and I'd heard that Alice was the same kind of record. So, but it just sounds like his stuff at the end of the day. It doesn't sound like anything he's trying to write for somebody else. So I thought that was kind of interesting, but I'm a fan in the sense that if I heard about a theatrical play coming to town and it was based off of Tom Waits' music, well, of course I'm going to go. But normally I wouldn't probably go to those things, but that's just me. And I was super, super tempted to actually play one of the instrumental tracks on this album as the one to represent this record. And I really probably should have gone with it because I really like Knife Chase off of this record. It's just a, a perfect piece of music for me. It's kind of loopy actually, but maybe that's why I didn't go with it. But I'm going to try to get an instrumental in somewhere on this countdown. I think it's actually going to happen this time, but stay tuned for that. 
Until then, I'm going to go with this one right here. Yet another song that just screams classic Tom Waits, especially classic latter-day Tom Waits. This is God's Away on Business. Tom Waits there with God's Away on Business from Blood Money. I do need to slightly correct something I said on the previous Tom Waits entry when I was talking about the Alice record. I think it was on the previous episode. I had mentioned the fact uh, how great his Wikipedia photo was. I meant to say the photo that's on his discography page, not his main page photo, which is not a bad photo, to be fair. But the one that's under his discography. So go look up Tom Waits' discography on Wikipedia right now. And that is the epic photo I was actually referring to originally. That's the one you should go look up right now. Okay, back to the countdown. We have broken through the top 20 here. And the albums just get that much better. Coming in at number 19, 
It's actually an album that I consider to be a bit of a disappointment upon its release. I like it a lot better now. It was just one of those things where I thought the album that came before it and the album that came after it were a lot better. So that's why I always perceived it to be a little less than, and I guess it is in the overall grand scheme of things. But upon reassessment and upon just holding it up to its own thing and in the context of just this year and the other records that surround it, did pretty damn well, I gotta say. So, a little bit of new love 20 years later for One by One by the Foo Fighters, which came out October 22nd, 2002, co-produced by the band and Nick Raskolinis. There's that name again. I know this album was recorded under a lot of duress, and because the process was so negative on most of the band, apparently they were even thinking about hanging it up. This is what led to Dave Grohl playing drums on an album you'll hear about later on on this countdown for sure but yeah just listening to it as a record itself and not even knowing that kind of a background still a damn good rock and roll album and there's a lot to like a couple of heavy ass songs i mean like low has got to be one of the heaviest songs they've ever done undeniable singles of course all my life and times like these of course those are classic rock songs now let's be honest but upon my initial listen the song that always stuck out to me is the closer on the album so i'd like to play it for you right now it's a long in and it's one of those songs that i i like even more so the fact that you could put on an album and not know when it's actually over but if the band tells you and you realize just by how big the song is and how you listen to it and you're like i don't want to hear anything else after this song by this band if you know that to be the true album closer and it actually proves to be that, that's a perfect album closer. And this is one of these songs, in my opinion. So, to represent One by One by the Foo Fighters, this is Come Back.
All right, what a great closer that is for a record. That was Comeback by the Foo Fighters from the album One by One. And even just going by that song, you listen to it like, man, that album should have been a lot higher on this countdown. But once again, it, it was there was a little bit of lack of focus on this record, and you can definitely hear it on some of the songs. It show It has signs of labor on it that is not the organic flow that a great album should have. It's a pretty good album, but it's not great like I know they can do. So I kind of held them to a bit of a high standard, but I feel like it's good positioning here. Let's move over here to number 18, this band's sophomore album. All three of these bands' albums, because they only have three as of this recording, and hopefully there, I, I think there might be a fourth one finally on its way after almost 20 years of no albums. Bands finally back together. Talking about the Distillers, their second album here, Sing Sing Death House, came out January 29, 2002, self-produced, a quick album, just clocking just a little bit under half an hour. But this band doesn't need to put out long records. They're a punk rock band, so they get a pass. I've always thought this band sounded really cool, and I thought they were like just a slightly heavier version of the Muffs, which takes it a long way for me because I'm a big Muffs fan. Uh, you know, there's so many ladies that would tell you this. I'm not saying anything out of school uh, that would tell you that Kim Shattuck is one of the biggest influences on rock and roll especially from a female point of view over the last 30 years legitimately and she is well missed so when i hear any inkling of a kim shattuck vocal in a rock band and it also has good music on top of it then i'm i'm sold that's all i need so that's what the distillers do for me to be quite honest with you and it's a shame i almost saw them potentially for the second time ever live this year but they were supposed to be opening the misfits alice cooper show but they had to cancel Wound up getting fear, so scoreboard, but yeah, I still was like, oh, that would have been kind of cool to see the distillers. I would have been down with a four-band bill, especially at those prices, but hey, let's go back to this record here, Sing Sing Death House by the Distillers. I'm going to play this little fun song to represent the record. This one's called The Young Crazed Peeling. Are you ready to be liberated on this Yeah. 
Distillers right there from the album Sing Sing Death House. Hope you enjoyed that. Always fun for me. And if you do decide to listen to that whole album, let me know if you can catch the the quick drive-by reference to the movie Cheech and Chong's Up in Smoke. There you go. There's a little homework for you. Now coming in at number 17, this was definitely a big comeback record by this band. It was their first album in five years, but the band definitely massively needed a break uh, especially the drummer unfortunately he had a lot of bad luck dealt to him i won't go into details about it but there have literally been books written about this so you can read up on this for yourself but talking about rush having a big comeback here in 2002 on may 14th to be exact with their brand new album at this time vapor trails produced by Paul Northfield, who the, the production on this would definitely get criticized quite a bit. I guess people were talking about, it. I guess, I don't know if the term brick walling was a thing at the time, but it was definitely a muddy enough mix to where it was almost kind of hard to hear everything mixed properly on the record because it was loud, but I, I like loud. It sounded fine to me at the store, but I understand now with a different kind of ear, the mix is a little weird on it, but it did get remixed later on for more positive consumption. But that all being said, I still like the record enough, even in its original mix, to come in here uh, high enough here on the countdown. And it's it's freaking Rush, man. Also, probably the... Uh, I'd say probably this has to be, the, what, the heaviest album? Their last three albums, honestly, were probably the heaviest albums they ever did anyway. Uh, just the tone was darker, the riffs were heavier. Just, yeah, they were in a different place at this point. So yeah, of course, tempted to go with One Little Victory because that was the first song we all heard when they came back. It's the first song on the record. We're like, damn, man, these guys aren't playing around, but I won't go with One Little Victory because I feel like it's definitely way obvious. But let's go deep on the record right here. When I heard this on this go around, I was like, I'm going to play that one. Just a cool little deep cut and still shows off just how heavy this album really is. So here's Rush with The Stars Look Down.
I love that track right there. Such good stuff there from Rush, from Vapor Trails. That was The Stars Look Down. If you've never given that record a shot, you definitely should. I mean, honestly, their entire catalog, that last part of their career right there, just starting with Counterparts, which was definitely the beginning of the heavy era, all the way down to their very last studio album. They were on a roll for sure. Okay, and the last entry here of the night coming in at number 16 I'm surprised this actually wasn't higher, but as I look through this list now, I'm like, okay, everything else on here is really, really good. So this one might be a bit of a shock as far as if you know anything about me and how I love this band, that they're only at 16. But once again, the top 20, they all scored really high in the points department. So let's get to it right here. This album came out on October 8th, 2002. It was this band's 11th studio album. So let's do a little callback to the previous countdown, the top albums of 1992. When I talked about the number one entry on there, Angel Dust by Faith No More, I talked about how I was fascinated by the table listens, is what I call them, which is the label sitting down and going over the record with the band and just doing the feedback thing, what's a single on here, blah, blah, blah. I don't know if there was a table listen for this album, but if there was, man, I would have loved to have been there, even more so than the Faith No More one, because this whole album, there's it's almost kind of a loose concept, but it definitely has a lot to say about one particular topic, specifically the death of the music industry from a major standpoint as we know it. And if you thought this guy was being cynical in the year 2002... It only took a couple more years to realize that, wow, he knew for sure that he was telling the truth on this record. So I'm talking about Tom Petty, and of course, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers album, The Last DJ. If you've never heard this, whoo, it's a journey, man. Whoo, <laughs> man. So conceptually, I, I think the album, only half of it is really part of the concept of what I mentioned here. Uh, the other thing's really do work on their own quite a bit the last two songs honestly have love will travel and can't stop the sun are are two of my favorite tom petty and the heartbreaker songs of all time they're up there for sure those those songs are excellent and i talked about album enders like with the foo fighters can't stop the sun is another one of those kind of songs you gotta hear it and you need to hear this whole record once again just talking about how on the nose this record is I mean, everything from the album cover, which is Tom, it's the back of his head showing his hair and not even very kempt hair on top of that. And I, I even own a promotional poster for this. And here's what it says on this promotional poster. If you reach back in your memory, a little bell might ring about a time that once existed when money wasn't king. <laughs> yeah, and that's, a, of course, a direct quote from the song Money Becomes King. Oh, Man, so I could talk about this record all day. There will be chapters of books written about this record as time goes on. It'll Tom Petty will be seen as a prophet here, for sure, much like Prince did before him. But Tom had been fighting the industry for a long time himself. But this is his ultimate death blow to the record industry. So it was important for me to play something that was really lyrically on the nose. And apparently Can't Stop the Sun, one of my favorite album closers, is also about that. But I'm going to go with this one right here. Because this song right here doesn't even try to hide the fact about what he's trying to say here on this whole record. And even the title track, Last DJ, is about that, of course. But it deals with it on a different side of things. This one right here is just him 
uh, talking to the people that are sitting at the desk, listening to the record going, you guys are assholes. <laughs> so once again, I would have loved to have been that proverbial fly on the wall to see for that. So, and of course this album didn't sell well. Could we have expected this album to sell well? No, of course not. So let's just get to it right here and I'll give you some more background after the tune. But yes, from The Last DJ, this is Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers and the song Joe. That's what I call music. Yeah, <laughs> there's no subtext there. It's just all in the nose lyrics right there by Tom Petty with the Heartbreakers, of course. That was Joe from The Last DJ, an album you should definitely hear. 
I did fail to mention that while this album was self-produced by Tom and the great Mike Campbell, of course, also co-produced by George Trikulius. I should remember that because I bought a hot dog off that guy one time. Great producer, by the way. The guy that truly produced Wildflowers as well. So the album sounds great on that end. And I gotta also recommend the extra homework on top of listening to this record is if you can find a copy. There was a DVD that got put out and I've only ever seen it in jewel case form because it comes with a bonus CDEP of some live cuts. But he actually did perform this entire album top to bottom, even with a live orchestra and everything, because that was definitely in fashion at the time. Tom wasn't above doing something like that, at least. But, but yeah, go track it down. I don't know the name of the DVD offhand, but I mean, there's not any other DVDs that exist of Tom Petty playing The Last DJ top to bottom. So go out there and find it. It's excellent heavily recommended all right man if that was number 16 what do we got left here we got 15 more entries to do on the next episode we've got entries number 15 through 6 and then we're going to save part 5 and we're going to do double shots of the top five albums of this year and afterwards we're going to get to the best stuff of 2022 i promise finalizing it right now so stay tuned for all that until then stay tuned for my better half nola with the plugs followed by the best damn outro song in all the podcasting business. Take it away, Nola. We would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today. You can reach us on Facebook or Twitter. We love getting messages and always do our best to respond. Every time you share our show, we give our cats Ruby and Ripley a treat. We are on Twitter at RockStrikes10 and the direct email is RockStrikes10 at gmail.com. When you search for us, the number 10 is always spelled out. If you would like to support our show financially, we do have Rock Strikes 10 shirts for sale. For $20, we will ship you out a high-quality, soft-as-heck, next-level branded shirt and a button. Send us an email or direct message for more details or to order. Please help us spread the word about this show and all of our other quality shows by listening, liking, subscribing, and sharing. Our official website is cnjradio.com. You can visit this site for all episodes of Rock Strikes 10 going all the way back to episode number one. While you're on cnjradio.com, check out some of these other quality shows. The Wrestling House Show, a pro wrestling podcast unlike any other. The Synaptic Empire Audio Transmissions, hosted by Randy Brown, a true alternative. The Last Theater, starring Chris where cinema's trash is treated like treasure, and the I Am Vinyl podcast with Pete LaRussa and occasionally Joey. We also highly recommend that you check out our good friend Mark Striegel, who can now be heard exclusively on SiriusXM as part of Ozzy's Boneyard and Hair Nation. Last, but certainly not least, we would like to give an extra special thanks to the great Pete LaRussa and the band Spacebeard for the best outro song in the business, Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband to purchase their music and make sure to tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent ya. We hope you tune into the next show. Until then, have fun.
post-game show is brought to you by... Christ, I can't find it. The hell with it.